This is Until All Are Free. I'm your host, Preston Goff. And on this episode, I'm excited to welcome our CEO and co-founder, Matt Parker. Well, Matt, welcome back to the podcast space. It's um, It's been a little bit, actually, since we've been able to sit together in conversation and, you know, I, as I think about like anniversary moments, um, I just celebrated a year at the Exodus Road. It is mid-March, which means it's been about a year since this huge global moment that I'm sure is on everybody's radar with COVID. And I just wanted a chance to sit down with you on behalf of our audience to just hear a little bit about how 2020 was um, in the midst of leading an organization and, and really like how you're feeling as, as you step in and are continuing to lead the Exodus Road going into, into 2021. Yeah, thank you, Preston. It's good to be back. And I can't believe it's been a year. I, I think in some ways, COVID has been this just uncharted waters. And for nonprofit leaders all around the world, it, it felt like it could be an extinction event. And in fact, we read an article early days that was exactly about the nonprofit struggle and the fear that COVID could impact their bottom line to the point where they close their doors. And we know now that several nonprofits have closed their doors because of COVID. For us, I'm, you know, I'm sure that other nonprofit leaders were going through those exact same emotions. But my the underlying belief that I had, and I think we shared that here at the executive level, was what decisions can we make right now to give us the longest runway possible yeah. for COVID to not impact us to a detrimental level? Um, and that's what we did. And I have to say, as an employee of the Exodus Road and as a partner in this work of freedom, I was so proud of that moment for the organization and proud of, of your leadership in that space. And I think it it really set off an energy for us as a team that led throughout the rest of the year and has just continued to fuel excitement for days ahead, even as we sit together right now and look at what's on the horizon for 2021. And so I don't want us to sit too long in what has happened, right? Like we can all, the audience, like we can all say, man, 2020 is not what we wanted it to be. Um, but there are so many like amazing things on the horizon. And I'd love to just hear a little bit about how you as a leader have been formed to really give rise to some initiatives that are taking place this year. Um, when I think about the Exodus Roads involvement in aftercare and the Exodus Roads growing involvement in global spaces around the world, I'd love to just hear a little bit about what's been forming in you and how that is manifesting into new programs at the Exodus Road. Yeah, you know, COVID, it, it, it created a, an opportunity. And we we started to talk, just like you described, you know, we can easily, you know, commis commiserate all of the, the, the negative impacts COVID had, but COVID also came with a few gifts. And for us here as a leadership team, once you get past those initial hurdles of reduced expenses and reduced payroll um, and, and kind of the pivoting, that was required to survive it. It also had a lot of silence. You know, all that international travel that you're so used to, that's off the table. And even our investigators um, 
and deployments to find and free kids pivoting to online work and cyber operations. It created this space that we may not have had otherwise to dream about our programs moving forward. So early days, you know, really in the first 10 years of organization, we were so focused on finding and freeing victims of trafficking in the undercover environment. And I think that's important. And I would still, you know, as I travel and advise and coach other nonprofits, I, I tell them, look, be focused. Um, because if you spread yourself too thin with too much program, you, you may get distracted or not be able to raise enough funds to, to be effective in all three areas of prevention, intervention, aftercare. Be focused. And for us at the Exodus Road, we've kind of hit this critical mass and this turning point where governments are now asking us, will you train us? You know, you guys you know, have this small army that has been doing thousands and thousands of hours of covert investigations into uh, the human sex trade, you know, trafficking, labor trafficking. Can you leverage that and train us as law enforcement? So in addition to that, you know, we, we're standing up this Beyond Rescue program, which is really an aftercare-based program. It's a niche market of aftercare for, for those 18 and over, but all of a sudden, this year of COVID has created this opportunity for the organization here at the Exodus Road to go from this laser focus on search and rescue operations to leveraging now uh, prevention, intervention, and aftercare in unique ways. But it's broadened our approach, um, but not not in a way that uh, is generic or reduces focus on right yeah it's not distracting from we're big enough now and we have enough staff we are still full steam ahead in rescue operations we're just adding our we're leveraging our expertise in these other spaces to meet the demand that we find in the countries we operate in and we still partner with aftercare we still partner with prevention practitioners but we actually have developed a set of skills and a knowledge base that is leverageable, um, and we have the donors to back it. So what if you were to ask me a year ago, what is the Exodus Roads program? It would be the search and rescue program. But we've added two arms to our program, and it's Beyond Rescue and what we're calling Traffic Watch, which is our training initiative, law enforcement, as well as other nonprofits. Our investigators all around the world for years now have come to me and said, Matt, we know that we partner with aftercare organizations, but it's also very difficult to see at times a connect, I mean, a, a direct connection between the girls and boys that we rescue, our investigators rescue, and placement into a qualified aftercare shelter. And there's a couple of reasons why. In most countries where we operate, it's all, well, in all countries where we operate, it's out of our hands where these girls and boys are placed. It's the decision of the Department of Social Welfare or a law enforcement agency. And sometimes we can influence their decision, and we have aftercare partners we approve of. However, the majority of the time, a lot of these girls are placed in government shelter. I would say 95% of the time. And there's reasons why they're placed in government shelter. The governments that we partner with know 
that these survivors of trafficking have a lot of information. They have information about who trafficked them, what law enforcement were involved or complicit in that crime, what corruption was around that event. Um, and a lot of the cases we do, oftentimes law enforcement officers are also arrested and prosecuted. So these countries, they, they really want to control the narrative around trafficking in their country. They're trying to appease the State Department. There's all these complexities. And so COVID allowed us to take a pause and really consider if there was something we here at the Exodus Road could do um, for those girls and boys. And it really led to a deep conversation and analysis of a different type of aftercare program that we're, we're now calling Beyond Rescue. I cannot tell you um, how many times I've been undercover and I've been holding the hand of an 18, 19, 20-year-old woman and interviewing her, doing our undercover work, trying to gather evidence of human trafficking and asking her my favorite question uh, as I interview victims, is what is your dream? And to listen to them describe a life beyond the brothel. And, and for those of you who are listening, you need to know that their dreams are not that outlandish. You know, you may ask uh, somebody in their young 20s here in the United States what their dream would be, and it might be, you know, to work for, for Google or, or Apple or Elon Musk, <laughs> you know, doing some wildish things in space. These girls and boys, it's so normal. They just want a job. They, they want to go into tourism or work at a restaurant. The, the dignity of self-sufficiency. Yeah. And I've actually had a woman, and under, I was undercover in January last year on this dark alley. It was straight out of some horror movie. And, you know, we never break cover here at the Exodus Road, but I was talking to her right away. She texts, you know, we're, we have this Google chat thing going and she, she puts in the chat, like the first thing she said to me was, I must escape this place. And, you know, number one, I loved that. Yeah. How brave of her to say that to me, but it gets better. I say, well, I'd like to help you. And she said... I don't need your help. I will escape on my own. And I'm like, <laughs> girl, you are a badass. Yeah, get after <laughs> it. Know? That's so great. Uh, yeah. Number one, you're telling me this, which is a huge risk, but then when I offer help, you're like, I'm good. And she was calling into existence a future freedom for herself. And guys, I'm telling you, she did it. She escaped on her own. The very next day, she texted me. She said, I'm, I'm free. And so the Beyond Rescue program, it's, it's, it's an aftercare style program, but it's not a long-term program. And there are programs out there that are long-term and then that they are necessarily long, where survivors of trafficking are housed and educated and rehabilitated over multiple years. Um, and for girls who are 18 and plus, we started to dream about a program that was a shorter-term program. Um, a lot of these women have children, and they, they're going to need housing, food. They're going to need child care. 
Um, they're going to need counseling, trauma therapy. Right. And so we started to design a short-term program called Beyond Rescue with that in mind. How do we take these girls from that brothel, give them choice, opportunity, and healing as much as can be offered? So the concept that we are designing is a maximum amount of choice. So we'll still have rules and boundaries that, you know, for example, if you want to have a boyfriend, you can't bring him back to the aftercare shelter. There's other women or, or men living in this shelter. We want to respect their healing path. But we're not going to say you can't have a boyfriend. Right. You know, go see your boyfriend. We're not going to say um, you can't smoke cigarettes, for example. A lot of these girls are addicted to drugs. And some aftercare shelters are very, very strict. Um, some of them are kind of religiously informed, and so they won't let girls uh, smoke, for example. And, and my thought is, these girls have just suffered sometimes years of rape and abuse. Smoke your cigarette. We're not going to tell you you can't smoke, but maybe you can't smoke in the house, you know? Um, but it really comes back down to this idea of giving these survivors every opportunity to, to find healing, to uh, mental and, and uh, physical healing, but also giving them that power of freedom, which means the power of choice. Our ultimate goal is not to keep them forever in a home. It is to, and it's not really uh, to totally, our goal isn't to totally heal them from all of their trauma. That I personally am not sure that that is a realistic goal for anyone. It, it, uh, their trafficking event will have shaped them. And in some ways, they'll carry those wounds their whole life. But it is to get them to a place of independence again. And for me, you've got to take a knee. You need to be cared for. You need a place to live, a place for your son or daughter to live. You need food, and it needs to be a safe environment. You don't need to worry about that right out of coming out of a rescue operation. And at, at some point, we will offer trauma therapy. It's, it's voluntary. We're not forcing anything on these women. In fact, they can leave the program whenever they want. That's a choice that they get to make. But after a certain amount of healing, we want to offer them vocational training uh, get them back to school if they'd like to choose that. A lot of these women were trafficked at such a young age, they didn't finish primary school. Eventually, the dream is to get them employment. For us at the Exodus Road, again, this comes back to choice, where we are developing internship programs in the community with businesses, where these young uh, rescued women or men will be able to work for these businesses in an internship, and we're going to pay them to do that. So the, the employer gets free labor. They're going to be thrilled about it. But we're giving these survivors skills that they, they get to choose. We'll have multiple internship opportunities from the hotel industry, the food industry, even to coffee uh, uh, barista-type skills where, where these girls will go learn, have a skill for a year. Um, and here's the unique thing about it is that after a year of an internship, they will have now a resume. And they will be able to have a skill that's locally marketable. Ideally, some of these companies may hire these women, but they won't hire them because out of pity, 
because they once were trafficked. They will hire them because they have a skill. And so that's our dream uh, at the Exodus Road. And of course, ongoing counseling, ongoing services will be afforded to them. But after a 12-month program, and it could be a little bit longer than that depending on each case because each girl is different and they respond to trauma differently, but the goal would be that we're teaching them those skills of budgeting so that they can go get an apartment and be on their own and not depend on us. Uh, and this is a clandestine program in projects. It'll be a safe house. Our name won't be on it. We don't want anybody driving by the facility to, to associate those people coming in and out with prostitution. Um, we, are, we are trying to stand to stand these survivors back up on their feet and give them every chance to choose their future and that future be bright. And it's complicated because we're not talking about a simple task. Um, but I'll tell you, we have found expert trauma therapists with survivors of trafficking in foreign environments. We have uh, really business-savvy entrepreneurs, country directors who are going to be working in the community to identify internship opportunities. Um, we have amazing donors and key stakeholders here at the Exodus Road that want to offer something to these survivors. And I think the biggest risk, uh, and my staff here at the Exodus Road, they've kind of brought this to me. They're like, Matt, what if you provide free housing for a month or two months to a survivor of trafficking who's 18, 19, 20 years old, and they choose to not um, seek out the trauma therapy we offer, or they don't take uh, further education opportunities with us or internship opportunities. And my response is this, and I think this is the heart behind Beyond Rescue. These women and these men have had everything taken from them. It's okay if they take from me. And if they, if, if all this is, is we get to invite them into a home that is loving and kind, that speaks life into them and power into them, and they choose not to take advantage of all the things we may offer. We gave them a few months off the street. They know that there's opportunities for them outside of those brothels. That's okay. Just like the survivor now in Thailand that has had a, a spark fanned into a flame. All of us here at the Exodus Road are so very excited about the Beyond Rescue program. This expansion of our work represents a continuation of our commitment to survivor healing and restoration. The program will begin with a Thailand-based home for adult survivors and will expand to encompass more throughout our work around the world. We're also really encouraged by new opportunities for the Exodus Road to actively expand search and rescue intervention programs in Southeast Asia, as well as prevention programs in the anti-trafficking movement around the world. Our Traffic Watch program represents the prevention arm of our work, and it harnesses subject matter experts and award-winning visuals to educate law enforcement, NGO partners, and local communities about the realities of human trafficking and how to fight it in their own countries. Here's Matt with more on both of these expansion opportunities.
This year has been so amazing in ways we couldn't have expected. Um, we mentioned before uh, earlier just that COVID, COVID did actually take some nonprofits out, you know, and they had to close their doors and they were shuttered because of a lack of funding. And in the Philippines, that came on our radar because uh, there was a, a nonprofit organization operating in the Philippines that had to lay off some of their staff. And these are trained investigators, Filipinos. They speak Tagalog. They've been doing this with law enforcement for five plus years. It was kind of this really sad event on the one hand, and they reached out to the Exodus Road seeking employment. Well, we don't have an office in the Philippines. So our uh, Southeast Asia regional manager made some phone calls to some of our partners in the area and contacts. And we we did what we always do when we want to consider expansion. We ask people who are already there if they see a need for our services and what we do. We don't like duplicating effort. In fact, I'm way happier uh, pioneering in an area of need than, than um, or, or at least partnering with an organization than just setting up shop across the street uh, as if we somehow are better than they are. We're right, not. Right. So these calls went out and law enforcement and our partners said, we would really love the Exodus Roads help here in the Philippines. So um, we were not really looking to expand in Southeast Asia to the Philippines, but um, the opportunity came to us. And so we are, uh, the Exodus Roads headed to the Philippines and yeah. uh, expanding there with a brand new investigations unit and law enforcement partnerships and the, the need is overwhelming from the first reports we're getting from the field. So we're super excited. Uh, we love it when, when we can expand and partner with governments to bring training and to bring rescue operations uh, to an area where trafficking is, um, is significant. And that's what we feel is happening here. So we're all excited here at the Exodus Road. Our field teams are excited. Uh, our Delta operatives are excited as well. It's another country we can leverage our Delta team. And uh, yeah, we're, we're thrilled about that. Another uh, thing that happened that uh, we've, we've kind of been working on it is expansion into Brazil. And that's another Latin American effort that's new that really gained traction during the months of COVID. And as most of you listening know, the Exodus Road always works in partnership with law enforcement and government agencies. And we seek out agreements with with governments basically just saying, hey, we have a certain set of skills and some expertise and technologies. We would love to support law enforcement identifying victims of trafficking, rescuing them, and arresting perpetrators. And I'll just tell you guys who are listening, it normally takes years to get those types of agreements in writing. You know, there's all kinds of due diligence and discovery. They, you know, governments are are wanting to make sure we're not crazy, we're not cowboys, we're not just adrenaline junkies, that that we really have a, a, the tenured experience we say we have. And for the first time in our history of doing this work, we secured three uh, agreements, signed agreements with three different states in the north of Brazil Within a, within a few month period. It, it's unprecedented for us. And here's what they want from us. They definitely want uh, 
like our support um, in lots of ways, but the number one thing they want is for us at the Exodus Road to train 17,000 law enforcement officers. It's unbelievable. It is un... We, we kind of thought, you know, a couple hundred. <laughs> and they came back and said, no, it, we want you to train 17,000 law enforcement officers in the north of Brazil. And this is an... I mean, for the audience, it's massive region, yeah. right? With prolific trafficking. Prolific. And it, it ranges from garment factory trafficking to uh, illegal mining and logging deforestation of the Amazon. Um, there's some really remote impoverished villages up and down the Amazon that are suffering from brokers who are exploiting them and their children. Um, so we are we are full steam ahead on this partnership. We've rolled out and are rolling out an eight-module online training course for law enforcement. Uh, we're, we're finding, we're seeking out and finding partners to do that with us. But the opportunity is unprecedented for us. And I What's so amazing to me is there's not a lot of organizations actually focused on this in that part of the world. Um, and so we're super blessed and excited uh, to take up this cause in Brazil as well. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Um, it's just been so encouraging to to hear on a regular basis like these amazing opportunities that have presented themselves in the midst of a year when it doesn't feel very... Um, popular to be excited about anything <laughs> um, and yet like here we are on the cusp of being able to affect freedom for for really more individuals than we've ever had the potential of impacting in in the history of the exodus road right and that's just um so so encouraging i think one of the things that i care deeply about is the nonprofit environment globally can oftentimes be very toxic and nonprofit organizations feel like they're in competition with each other and they're, they're in competition for dollars. And there's an underlying belief that they have that drives those behaviors. And I just feel like we here at the Exodus Road, we have a different underlying belief that, that we actually don't win unless we all win. The problem of trafficking is so complex and so huge, 40, over 40 million modern-day slaves. I, it would be silly for me to think that I'm that important. I am so small, and the Exodus Road is so small. We're just, we're working really hard, and we've discovered some amazing things, and we've refused to give up, and maybe we deserve a gold star for our perseverance, but we don't deserve a gold star because we've solved human trafficking, or we'll, we have no illusion that the Exodus Road is going to change this for everybody. But I do believe we're a, we're a key player. But I'm not the only one. There's hundreds and thousands of other key players, key players who are just now starting their nonprofits that will change the world in 10 years, and I want to be their advocate. I want to help them. Um, and this training concept is that. it's We are training 17,000 law enforcement officers in Brazil. We're training our own operatives. We're using this tool to train the Exodus Roads teams, but I want to leverage it to train our partners and those who want to learn how to provide the best care. And I'm not arrogant enough to say that I know what that looks like, but I'm smart enough to know. Let's go pay a subject matter expert, stand them up on a training platform so they can go exponentially impact the world right. and these organizations and make them better to, to their own credit, uh, but ultimately for the sake of victims of trafficking. Yeah. Right. Uh, it has to transcend brand and it has to transcend a donor base or geographic area, this knowledge 
uh, and I've seen this over the last uh, 10 years, 15 years of this work, it is a struggle for nonprofits to work together, uh, typically because donors and money are always involved and uh, they want to have marketing over their project. Yes, I, I understand those motivations, but if we could just take out that underlying belief that this only works if my name's on the press release and understand that, no, it works if I'm one of a hundred names on the press release. And ultimately, that the success of victims freed, healed, rehabilitated, placed back into society trumps any press release. We've got to come back to that. Um, and it's difficult. It's difficult as a leader of a nonprofit who typically founders and CEOs of nonprofits have sacrificed more than they will ever receive back. And it's easy to lose sight of the fact that this was never about me. This was never about a brand. This was about survivors of human trafficking. This was about vulnerable, marginalized people who no one cared about. I, I say that victims of human trafficking, they do not care who rescues them, but they're waiting. And we have to be about united efforts, collaborative efforts, uh, not personalities, not leaders, not the latest book deal or, or movie deal. That stuff is worthless to the victim who is right now locked in a back room praying to someone to send someone. So my heart and the heart here at the Exodus Road is collaborative and it is empowering. And on my death's door, I do hope I can look back and say, man, at the Exodus Road, we rescued 10,000 kids. Isn't that great? But what I want more than that is to say, and we launched 1,000 Exodus Roads yeah. who will then go and rescue 10,000. If we don't have a multiplier thought in fighting human trafficking, this complex justice issue, our results will die with us. So that, that really drives me and, and this passion to train and to leverage, to give away for free what we know how to do so that others will take it up and make it better. And they'll make it better. There is no, <laughs> there is no right to an effective means by which we help the poor. There's no brand on that. And if there is, then man, we got into this for the wrong reasons. So Traffic Watch, Beyond Rescue, Search and Rescue, the Exodus Road's growing up, and we are now much more well-rounded of an effort to fight human trafficking all around the world. Um, and what I love about the team here at the Exodus Road is that we're innovative, and we, we approach these really complex problems uh, with humility, but also this courage to just throw things against the wall, uh, knowing that we get to the honor of being pioneers in this place. And we may fail, and I, we're not afraid of failure. Um, and I love that, our, you know, the donors we have here at the Exodus Road, they kind of know that about us. We are going to try the thing that no one else was willing to try. And we may fail, but man, we're going to learn from that, and we'll try it again, and we'll try it again, and we'll try it again. And it goes back to this perseverance we have that if we have a failed rescue operation, the thing the traffickers aren't counting on is that we are stubborn and we will try that raid again and again. 
month after month until we find freedom for those kids. We're not going to forget about them just because one corrupt cop threw the case. But that, I want us to champion that as a community. Uh, perseverance, resilience, collaboration, encourage, encourage everybody who wants to see freedom come on their watch. They are welcome here with us. And they don't have to work with the Exodus Road or be a partner for us to champion their efforts. Um, so many organizations out there are doing amazing work, and it is, it is treacherous. And I see that in these leaders. And every time they come under fire, you know, my heart hurts because I know the real red blood that was spilt on the soil of whatever country they stood up this impossible idea that maybe, just maybe, we could advocate for these kids and, and impact a systemic social change. Guys, that is a huge ask. And everybody who's going to try to do that is going to be underpaid and scrutinized horrifically. And they're heroes. And they, those people are the ones we sacrifice on, on the altar of our own arrogance. Instead of understanding these people aren't perfect, but man, the courage it takes. Holy cow. And so for us, I, I think that, you know, specifically this Traffic Watch initiative and even Beyond Rescue where we're partnering and collaborating, collaborating with other uh, groups, my hope is that it unites us and doesn't divide us. It, it, it is humble in scope, but it, it brings to the Exodus Road this, this well-roundedness, this maturing as an organization to say, yes, search and rescue, but also. And, and I love that about where we're headed in 2021. It's new for us, it's exciting, and it's still treacherous. We're going to continue to update our audience on Beyond Rescue, on expansion, on, on all of these things. And we've got some really amazing actual like conversations and interviews planned to help like bring insight and bring stories from the field. And I know um, I, I just can't wait until we can sit down together again in a few months and I can hear some of the stories um, from Beyond Rescue and what it's been like walking alongside survivors. Um, after that moment of rescue and towards true like restoration reintegration so thank you matt thanks for joining us on the on the podcast and yeah it's uh it's been a pleasure thank you for listening to this episode of until all are free we're so grateful for the ways that you continue to support this podcast and the work of the exodus road in the fight against human trafficking until all are free is a podcast produced by the exodus road and it's hosted by me preston goff the music you've heard on the intro and outro of this episode was produced and generously donated by City of Sound. If you're curious about the ways that the Exodus Road fights trafficking around the world, I'd invite you to visit us online at theexodusroad.com or at the Exodus Road on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. One of the best ways that you can support this podcast is by sharing your favorite episodes with friends. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, I'd love for you to take a moment to rate and review us. It really helps.